Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and here to discuss another great week of Serie A football with me is Nicholas Carroll. Nick, hello. Hello. I was I was expecting you to introduce Vita first, but I'm very glad to be here, as always, Connor. I'm good to... I hope you've enjoyed your week off from me and um, you're ready to put up with some more rubbish. Yeah, I... I needed that week away from you, to be honest. Uh, I had no intentions of inviting you on the pod last week. And I have to keep you on your toes by introducing you first. But next up is my favourite FIF panellist of the year of all time. It's Vito Doria. Vito, welcome back. Once again, thank you for the compliments, Connor. And again, always a joy to be on this podcast. So let's get cracking. Right. Um well, Humza has summed it up nicely in the comments. Let's start with Milan, and I don't think there is anywhere else that we could start this week. They've just beaten Roma 2-0 at the Stadio Olimpico, and I was getting my notes prepared all week to come on here and for us to talk about how Milan have just been fooling us all by beating the terrible teams, but they went and did it at the Olimpico. Nick, what did you make of this? Yeah, I really impressive performance all around for Milan. Uh, I think they approached it really well. Um, to be honest, in the first half, there wasn't really that much going on. Uh, Milan was just kind of happy to sit back. Um, and Roma, they kind of mirrored with the 4-3-3. And while they were, I guess, had more chances, I think at half time they were winning the shot count 10-1. to 1. So Milan weren't really in the match, but at the same time they weren't troubled at all. Uh, then in the second half, they came out. They looked a bit more motivated. They got that uh, that one goal, and that pretty much made the difference because that forced a move from Di Francesco. Uh, Nangalang came off. Uh, Dzeko came on. And then from there, Milan just completely dominated that midfield. And it was 
almost impossible for Roma to get back. Um, so great from, you know, I'm, I'm not one that's heaped a lot of praise on Gattuso, but I'll say, um, you know, he approached it, that game perfectly and uh, they played the perfect match. They, they waited for the right time. And um, the Gialarossi, frankly, just were, they, look, they looked a spent force. I'm not sure if the uh, Shakhtar Donetsk tie maybe got to them, but uh, they just looked completely out of it. Uh, the second half, they just had no energy. Nangalan was just uh, not there. Um, just, mm, uh, you don't see... I'll cut you off there because we will, we will come to Roma in a bit, but I do want to focus in on Milan early on considering they won the game. And I know you might not want to talk about them, but I think it's unfair. <laughs> Vito, were you as blown away by Milan's second half performance in particular as I was and it seems like everybody else on social media was? Oh, absolutely. Roma dominated the first half and they still had a good amount of possession the second half, but after the half-time break, the Rossoneri looked like a brand-new team. Uh, Crutone opened the scoring, and he was nullified by Manolis in the first half, but the second half he just showed that you've got to give him a bit of space, and he'll just know when to be in the right place. After that, it was uh, Calabria that scored the second with a beautiful chip, and it's great to see that he's contributing on the scoreboard because he's doing well going forward from the right-back position. And... To be honest, I reckon it was one of those games that although the Rossoneri weren't dominating the possession, uh, they could have won by more because Alessio Romagnoli and Fabio Borini wasted some pretty good chances to seal the result. So if it was 4-0, I think it would have looked even more embarrassing for Roma. Yeah, and it probably wouldn't have been too unfair on Milan, especially given how they played in that second half if they had a won by more. But uh, Nick... I want to get your thoughts on this because Milan are finally looking like a proper team. And, okay, you've got to give Gattuso credit for that, of course. But how much of this do you think is down to the fact that they've just been together for a bit of time now? And would these results have come along anyway if it wasn't Gattuso in charge? Yeah, well, I I know exactly where you're getting at. And it's probably one of my biggest gripes with a lot of the the sentiment that goes around at the moment around Gattuso and not only that, but the negative sentiment that goes towards Montella because um, irrelevant of, you know, what you might thought happened this season, I think Milan fans forgot very quickly um, how they got into the Europa League this season. And that was via Montella with a very average team. Um, (laughs) Milan fans have completely forgot about that. So I, I really dislike seeing so much negatives out there about Montella. But anyway, put that aside. But, yeah, I completely agree that either way, irrelevant of the coach, over time the squad in terms of the players were always going to improve. When at the start of the season, I'm pretty sure we talked on the podcast, Connor, that there were nine or ten new players in the in the starting lineup. Um, obviously it was always going to take time. So, I think Gattuso, while without putting any criticism, and it's not criticism at all to Gattuso, he's doing a fine job, particularly in the motivating area, but always going to gel at some point. So I think Gattuso's got a lot of the praise that's kind of come naturally. And I think we kind of a lot of the kind of commentators out there, it's it's kind of forgot how much they spent. Like, let's not forget that there were record-breaking 
it was a record-breaking transfer window. So, you know, it's not, it's not criticism at all, but it's just saying, look, I don't think we should be that shocked that this Milan team's actually starting to build combinations together. It was always going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing to see a lot of the, the hate on Mantella because, you know, while, while they're talking about how well they could possibly go this season, they wouldn't be there if not for Mantella. So let's not um, throw him completely under the bus. Yeah, Vincenzo Mantella, who of course was beaten 5-2 in Spain by an Atletico Madrid team who don't score that many goals. But I do take your points. I do think Mantella was probably ran out of Milan a little bit early, but I think Gattuso is proving us, all of us idiots wrong to an extent. Vito, Patrick Catrone scored again. Should he be in the Italy squad when the boys get back together? I reckon he has to, and not just on current form, but I think if you look at the long-term vision of the Italian national team, he is someone to build Italy's future around. Uh, Looking at the potential squad, you'd probably think that Mario Balotelli would finally get called back into it, and you would still call up Ciro Immobile and maybe Andrea Balotti, but again, that might be based on potential and not so much on current form. Cotrone, he's got the form. And also, I think with these characteristics, there isn't really someone who's a true opportunist in a sense. I think Balotti and Balotelli have different characteristics to him, although all three of them are number nines. And as I said, you know, Cotrone, he'll be a long-term player for Italy, in my opinion. So we're looking at someone who could be playing... 10 to 15 years for Italy if he can keep progressing in his development. Yeah, I'm quite a keen advocate of selecting players for international football based on form rather than what they've proven throughout their whole career. And based on that, Cutrone just has to be in there because he's he's one of the most informed Italian strikers around at the moment, if not the most informed. Uh, Jax has come in with a comment saying only Kessi, Benucci and Chalanoglu out of the signings have worked out in his opinion. Which brings me on to Frank Kessie, who I wanted to discuss. I think he's been very good this season. Um, early on, there were a few teething problems with him settling into that team, but those problems were probably beyond Kessie himself. And now, Nick, he is a driving force in a midfield that looks really impressive. Yeah, 100%. And that midfield, it probably doesn't get as much um, plaudits when you've got you know the likes of Catrone scoring the goals, but... Um, they very much set the platform for Milan's results of late. And uh, I think today's match kind of um, exemplified how well Kessie is going, where he completely out, um, outshone Rajan Angalan, um, outmuscled him pretty much out of the game. And you don't see that very often. So that almost embodied just how strong of a player he is and yeah, how important he is to the Rossoneri at the moment. Vito Davide Calabria got his, the first goal of his senior career and he took it like you might expect someone like Patrick Catrone to take. It was a brilliant finish. But he's another player who I've been really impressed with lately in this Milan team because they signed Andrea Conti to fill that right-back position. He got a massive injury, huge setback for them. But Calabria has really made the position his own lately and it's going to be hard for them to drop him when Conti comes back or are they going to have to put him out on the left or put Conti on the left? Because they can't leave him out. At the moment, I would actually leave Andrea Conti on the bench. Um, 
for Conti, I reckon this season should be a write-off and he should be used sparingly. I don't think he should be rushed back into the team. And because of Calabria's development, I think Calabria pretty much has that right-back spot cemented for the remainder of this season. It would be risky to try and even put one of them on the left side because although Ricardo Rodriguez hasn't been overly impressive, um, can still use Luca Antonelli. So I'm the type of person that would prefer to see plays in natural positions instead of conducting far too many tactical experiments for the sake of accommodating two players who are good at the one position. We've had a comment from Sandro Marini to say all of Milan signings have been poor. He used a different word. I was trying to figure out who he supports and he comes in with Forza Juve, so we can just disregard his opinion. If we're going to move on to Roma then, because we've spoken about Milan for 10 minutes now, um, I was quite pleased to see Patrick Schick play. And I thought in the first half he was okay. And then Roma just fell to pieces and certainly in the second. Vito, you obviously saw a lot of Patrick Schick last season. Uh, what did you make of his performance tonight? I'm sure you were pleased to see him get a run out. I thought he was decent without being overly outstanding. He showed a few flashes of brilliance. In one particular moment, he was on the left wing and he managed to beat two defenders. So that was a pretty impressive impressive play. And he had a chance to score from a volley, but Donnarumma made a good save. And I think he would have been offside anyway, so he probably would not have counted. Generally speaking, I think he should be playing a bit more assuming that he is fit enough because he does provide greater mobility than Dzeko. And when Edin Dzeko came on, he did not look too flash either. So although Roma lost, um, I wouldn't use Schick as a scapegoat. More than anything, there were probably other parts of Roma's game that needed improving. So, um, yeah, maybe with more stability, Schick can have more of an influence Either way, I don't think Jacko should really be a starter at the moment because his form's been that bad. I'd be, I was thinking this when Jacko came on, but I'd be quite happy to see Roma play with a front three without a number nine a bit more often this season because Cengizunda has been fantastic. Schick obviously can be fantastic, and Diego Prati can kind of just slot in anywhere along that front line. Nick, you mentioned Rajan Angelan earlier. I thought he was really poor tonight and Di Francesco must have agreed because he took him off, which was a strange decision to take off your captain in the absence of Daniele De Rossi. And do you think it's possible that Di Francesco is kind of losing the players because they didn't seem like they were willing to put in any sort of performance tonight? No, I wouldn't go put it down to that at this point. I, th- I think, honestly, they just looked fatigued to me. I think the the midweek Champions League match must have really taken it out of them because, I mean, even in the first half, while they were more dominant on the ball than Milan, they just, there wasn't really a spark. There wasn't that much life to them. And yeah, it, it seemed like everything was just hard work. And we saw in the first half, I think Nangalan played a pass along the back and almost um, put Milan right in on goal, which was, I think, um, probably their only shot of that half Milan. So, um, they just looked off. Um, um, I wouldn't, you know, start casting assertions just yet. I know there was a comment already calling for Di Francesco's head, but let's not <laughs> let's not get in too over ourselves. I think look, they probably need a good rest. It 
wasn't a good day for them, but I, you know, Roma will be back. They've got a lot of positives. There were a lot of players there that underperformed. I mean, Chenzi Gunda, who's been one of their best in the last few weeks, he, I don't know, possibly um, let the hype get to him a bit. He tried a bit too much, um, didn't make the right decisions at, at all the time. So, um, yeah, he. it's one of those games, look ahead to the next week, let's not read too much into it. I personally reckon that the relationship between Eusebio Di Francesco and Rajan Nangalan might have deteriorated a fair bit after Nangalan uploaded a video on his Instagram account. So after seeing him party on that night, maybe things between the coach and the player are a bit strange. So that might have contributed somehow to Raja's form in the last few weeks. Normally he's a fantastic player and a great contributor for the Rossone, uh, Giallo Rossi. But, uh, yeah, in recent rounds he hasn't been that uh, dominant presence in the Giallo Rossi midfield. So we'll see what happens for the remainder of the season, if he can get back into form or at the end of the season one of the two goes. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe Nangalan will be sold by Roma once and for all after years of staying loyal to them. Mm, he could be just shipped off to China so they could get a bit of money in. Um, True. CM Fox is already starting the fights, but this week they're talking about snow in the comments, which is much more innocent than they <laughs> they usually get. So, guys, we appreciate you in the comments this week. Um, Jax, Phil, it might not be an enjoyable couple of minutes ahead because we're going to talk about Inter, who did win 2-0, but they did win against the worst team arguably Serie has seen in the last 10 years, you know, and they made hard work of it. Nick, Inter were bad. Come on, what was going on there? I wouldn't say they were bad. I'd say they were okay, well, they Utter shot. <laughs> I would. They, are. they, they just, weren't as just... good as Benavento. <laughs> um, I just, honestly, I, I like... I was looking at the, the stats and stuff after, and I'm like, I, I can't even analyse this bloody team at the moment because it's just it's just crap honestly um yeah got the win that's like three points on the table is as positive as it gets at the moment for Inter because everything else was just yeah nothing um the midfield has just completely lost um any kind of energy uh Vicino and Gagliardini in recent weeks have just been poor I'm not sure what's happened in that midfield. They used to be so um, dominant, but recently um, they've just completely fallen off. Obviously, we know um, what's happened with Perisic and Kondreva. We've spoken a bit about them quite a lot. Kondreva came back into the team on his favoured right-hand uh, flank and did absolutely nothing. Um, Rafinha got his first start, and it was disappointing, but you can understand he... He was, wasn't really there for much of the match, so he'll probably be better for the runs. So you can't really put much blame on him. But but what about Andrea Ranocchia, the prince? Yeah, the frog. He's getting a lot of love in the comments at the moment. And th- there was something quite nice about the two defenders who teamed up the score against Inter last week, putting it right this week and getting two decisive goals. Um, Ranocchia then reborn, yeah? Oh, yeah, I've, I've always said that he's uh, <laughs> one of the best centre-backs in the world. Always said it. And, uh, um, his turn. Yeah, let's not go down that route. 
Phil has said, who needs a Cardi when we have centre-backs? Um, <laughs> you do, Phil. You very much do. Vito, Benevento again. I don't really know what to think of Benevento because I haven't actually seen them play badly once this season. Mm-hmm. But they have obviously not been very good because they haven't got enough points on the board. Have you got any sort of analysis of them? Well, watching the game, they dominated the possession and I think it was very unfortunate that they didn't go to VAR for Ronaldo's trip on Cataldi because that should have been a penalty. Other than that, Massimo Corda probably should have scored two goals, but one shot just went over the bar and another shot in the first half was saved by Handanovic. So, and I do like their wingers, Guillermo and Enrico Brignola. So they bring energy and they've got good skills on the ball. But I reckon they might need to play Diabate, the guy who scored the win against Crotone. So maybe he should get more of a start. And the main problem is obviously scoring goals. They're leaking defence, but they need to bury the chances because they do play good football. And Roberto De Zerbi is actually a good coach in my view. It's just that he's working with players that are really Serie B quality. I reckon that next week they do play Hellas Verona. And although they bet Torino, I do think that uh, Benevento can beat the Jello Blue at home. Yeah, the, I mean, Benevento, that, I think that's one thing that we shouldn't lose. They were actually, they played quite well. And that's probably a concerning thing for Inter, that Benevento outplayed the Nerazzurri. Um, so, which is, you know, with all due respect, that should not happen, particularly in Milan. So... And a lot of that comes down to midfield, and I'll go back to what I mentioned before. And, Connor, I'll bring, I'll, I'm interested to know your thoughts because <clears throat> Roberto Gagliardini, he's, um, he came from Atalanta and he was so good and we were praising him for a good six months there. Uh, I don't, what do you make of his recent form, at being in, you know, having watched him develop over the last couple of years? Because I don't, I don't know what's happened to him. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think a lot of people 
when he started so well with Inter for those first six months or four or five months, whatever it was, a lot of people got carried away and forgot that this is a guy who had only played one Serie A season, including those that half season with Inter. He was at, was it Cesena before he made his Serie A breakthrough with Atalanta? And he was signed by Inter halfway through his first Serie A season when, okay, he was impressive, but to go from playing for what are a provincial club who this time last year weren't in Europe and it was all still a massive big dream and their objective at the start of the season would have been to finish mid-table mainly to avoid relegation to then go and play for a team that people are discussing you in the title race um, Champions League is known as being your club's objective it's a tough adjustment to make and for him to be going in and just have this weight of expectation on him along with the whole of Italy saying he's the future of their central midfield. I think it's a lot of pressure. So I think he just needs to be given a bit of time because there's, there is a player there. When Frank Kessie was getting all the praise with Atalanta last year, Roberto Gagliardini was the best central midfielder Atalanta had. And although they went on to continue their form without him, that doesn't mean he wasn't important while he was there. And I do think it's just a matter of giving Gagliardini time because he is a player and he will develop into one. Just don't ruin the kid, please. <laughs> Do you think he needs like a big player next to him to, to be able to perform well? Because I, I was looking at a couple of stats just quickly, Vecino, and comparing his last matches against, say, Benevento, um, last time he had 118 passes, this time around just 78. Against Genoa, he went from 99 to 48. He was subbed, but it would have been on track for about 70. Like his actual passing rates uh, against Bologna went from 81 to 58. Vecino's work rate um, on the ball has drastically decreased. Do you think that could be having an effect on Gagliardini? If Vecino's work rate is having an effect on him, I'm not so sure because in that Atalanta midfield, whenever he played with Frank Kessie, he was very much carrying the defensive responsibility because Kessie was kind of an attacking outlet in that team. He used to come on and get goals. But no, I don't think so. I do, I do think just give the guy a break, give him a, a couple of weeks off, maybe let him take a bit of a back seat for a while and just let him develop into the player that we know he can develop into. It's all this back. I'm going to throw a question at you. Nick, you've got the derby coming up next week. Okay. Milan haven't lost in, what, 12 games? Are you scared? Um, I'm not scared. I am. <laughs> I'm not hopeful. Uh, I'll never be scared of a of a challenge. But uh, look, it, the derby always throws up something different, irrelevant of form. So you know, I I think Inter and Milan fans will always kind of go in with a bit of hope for the derby because anything can happen. But certainly, all the all the pressure is on Milan. So that, you know, maybe that's a, a blessing in disguise that. Milan will be expected to win next week, so there's no pressure on Inter, and maybe that will help Inter actually play with a bit of freedom and try and get back into that form. Um, it looks like Icardi should be back for the derby, which would be a huge lift for them. So, um, you know, obviously we should mention that Inter have been without a couple of key players. So if they can get them back, you know, you never know. It's possible, but certainly Milan have got to go in decent favourites. Yeah, it is a big game. So, Vito, we'll get your thoughts on this as well. What, what do you think? 
I reckon Milan should go in as favourites, and if I was a betting man, I would tip the Rossoneri to win. And Milan are playing well under Gattuso. They've got the right cohesion. They're doing well defensively and offensively, whereas Inter, as we just mentioned, they're still, they still look disorganised and there's no fluidity or creativity either. So I think this is a great chance for Gattuso to boost his value up some more. And Inter, well, they've won at home against Benevento and then Bologna, and before that Bologna. So I don't think there'll be much confidence or much reason to suggest that Inter can get the three points in this one. I would agree. Nick, you're taking some piece in the comments, but we'll move on from it. Now. Same talk. Uh, I, am I am shaking. <laughs> you can Same hear it in your voice. Vito, Samp beat Udinese 2-1, and it's a good result for you guys. A revenge for that loss earlier in the season. Absolutely. I still believe that 4-0 in Udine was a freakish result, and that was due to Edgar Barreto being stupid enough to be sent off. Now we've atoned for it, and, yeah, it's definitely great to still get the three points because Milan are really pushing for a spot in Europe, and with Atalanta out of Europe, unfortunately, um, I can see Atalanta getting into that battle for the Europa League spots. The one thing that really stood out in that game would have to be Duvan Zapata's chip. You would expect that from Fabio Cuellarella, but that was absolutely sensational, just the way he lobbed the ball over Bizzari in the Udinese goal. Yeah, it really was Cuellarella-esque. But um, obviously the, the top two didn't play. They haven't played yet. They play tomorrow, what is Monday evening, away to Cagliari. I think they're away. And Juventus's game was snowed off against Atalanta like five minutes after it was due to kick off, which was a bit frustrating. But the weather was really bad there, to be fair. And I, I think playing it would have been a stupid decision. And given the team Atalanta played, I was more than happy for that to be called off because they would have got trounced. But uh, we'll talk about the bottom then, given that the two top teams haven't played. Nick, Crotone, Spal played out possibly the game of the weekend. Spal came out on top, 3-2. And Alberto Poloski got a big winner for, for the team from Ferrara. What do you think? Is this going to be a potentially decisive game in the run-in? Yeah, this, this was a massive, massive match. Going into the match, Spal were four points behind Crotone. So the Calabrians had a great opportunity to go seven points clear. Um, of the relegation zone so and you you really I mean for me uh, as a like somewhat of a neutral I guess but I, I really thought Crotone would do the job in this one but um, credit to Spal they came at them and um, Crotone won't, won't be happy with a couple of those goals uh, caught as the, the first goal he um, he will be very disappointed he let that through and then they um, gifted Pulaski one of those goals um, almost a pretty much a pass, an unintentional pass back, let's say. So um, Crotone won't be happy. And now there's uh, one point in it, as you said, and that's completely opened up the the relegation race again. Now you've got Crotone, Spal and Verona all within two points of each other. So it's uh, it's as you were, um, fair game. So it'll be an interesting yeah. one. And It's even it. tighter going beyond Crotone because three points. Only three points above the drop, and then Kevo and Cagliari are on twenty-five. So, the two of those could be dragged into. Well, I do expect Sassuolo to be 
really fighting against it come the end of the season. To be honest, I slash think that Crotoni and Spal will get out of it and Sassuolo will get down alongside Verona and Benevento. Sassuolo have been awful. Um, they haven't won since December. <laughs> Frankly, I get it was against Inter, of course. Who else? But um, they've scored two goals in 2018 in seven matches. They've just been not there. And I, I'm I'm with you that I think uh, they are in danger of dropping into that relegation zone very soon because they're, they're offering very little on the field. Yeah, I really like Spal as well and, and Cortone to an extent. So it would be good to see them hang around for a bit longer. Vito, I believe it was you that spoke about Spal's need for a striker, which I completely agreed with. But Alberto Poloski isn't actually doing too badly there, even without Marco Barriello beside him. Uh, do you think he could be the guy to fire them to safety if he can get his confidence, his Kievo confidence back? Mm. I think that's absolutely fundamental for Poloski. At Kievo, he was a fine striker and he was really decisive for them. But since he left, he hasn't really recaptured that form. At Spal, he's been doing okay, but he's not consistent enough. So to score in this game, I think it's a real confidence booster. And also, I think it's vital that he maintains this form too because if Spal are going to stand any chance of survival, he's got to be scoring on a more consistent basis. And also, Mirko Antonucci, who scored the first goal, he too needs to be providing a bit more. I think Antonucci's got seven goals for the season, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I think both strikers got to reach double figures if Spal are going to stay in Serie A for the next season. Spal are okay, you know. They, there's something about them. They do create chances. They do actually look to cause problems for their opposition. And I think if you just keep... They're well-organised. They're well-organised and they play good football, actually, Spal. I just think that's probably the thing with them, that in defence they could be a bit tighter and... and as we just mentioned, they just need a decent striker to score on a more consistent basis. For instance, Crotone had Diego Falcinelli, who was peaking at the right time. And just to change it a little bit off topic, uh, we were mentioning Sassuolo before that they look terrible and they look like they were in trouble. But in their first season, Domenico Berardi was a lifesaver and went on a phenomenal run towards the end of the season. So... Hopefully for them, he can get into this great run of form near the end because I think they're going to need it because Sassuolo this season, they've just looked terrible, to be honest. Yeah, well, Verona kept things interesting down there by beating Torino, which was a surprise to me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here. And Nick, can you stop talking about Inter in the comments, please? We've been called the Forza Inter podcast. I'm just engaging already. with the audience. Um, do, it by, do it by talking about Verona beating Torino. Um, can they stay up? Verona? Mm, no. Talking about Torino, am I? <laughs> well, uh, Torino... I'll say no too. <laughs> no, Verona's gone. Um, it's it's just for that last spot, I reckon, for the relegation I think um, Sassuolo, Crotone and Spal will fight for that last relegation, well, to get out of that last relegation spot. All right. Um, guys, sister, do either of you particularly want to talk about Sassuolo, Nil, Lazio 3 or Fiorentina 1, Kievo 0? Not at all. 
Uh, the goals, the... some of the goals were good, but that's probably about it. I don't think uh, they really add much uh, to this week's discussion, and it's, you'd think with Lazio it was just a routine win for them. Mm. It was interesting that both had players sent off, which is which is always fun. But uh, Cagliari do play Napoli tomorrow night. Napoli can go four points ahead, obviously, because Juventus didn't play this weekend. How do we see this one going? We'll keep this brief enough because by the time a lot of people listen to this, the game will have been played. But if you're listening to this on Monday, it should be an interesting one to look forward to. Vito, Napoli should go four points clear at the top, shouldn't they? I can't see why not. Uh, Napoli, they've been in great form this season, whereas uh, Cagliari, even though they sacked Massimo Rastelli and replaced him with Diego Lopez, I reckon they probably looked worse off. Worse off. So, yeah, I, I think if Cagliari got a point, it would be rather incredible for them because I can't see them surprising the Parteno pay. Do you know what? I... I really can. I can see Napoli going there, not having the pressure on because Juve haven't already won and gone ahead of them and just like stumbling to a nil-nil draw or something stupid like that and then letting Juve go ahead of them when they take on Atalanta on the 14th of March or whenever that's going to be played. Nick, pessimist or is there something in what I'm thinking? Nah, I'm pretty optimistic. I think they'll go there, do the job without too much trouble. Um, one or two nil, something simple, but get the job done. I wouldn't really be too... I think they'll do it. This isn't Monday right now. Well, Phil, it depends on where in the world you are, I guess, because it's Sunday night where I am, Monday morning where the guys are. Monday. But or ahead of, I'm sure. Ahead of now the they're arguing about time zones, I think. So, right, I think we've lost the comment. Are you on trucks, Connor? (laughs) I've been wanting to ask that for for months. I'm hoping that was aimed at Phil because (laughs) I know what time it is and what day it is in the country that I'm in. All right, guys, um, I think we've pretty much gone through the the week's action. The Europa League draw, though, Milan have been drawn against Arsenal. And maybe we could talk about that for a bit because I don't really want to talk about the other other games because I'm still a bit raw after Thursday night in Reggio Media. But do Milan have a chance? Because Arsenal are in terrible form and Milan are in really good form. So, Nick, I'd like to take this one first. You know what? I'm really excited for that match because it'll be a good chance for Serie A to really show um, how it's come along in recent seasons. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of social commentary coming from English and Arsenal fans basically Basically, is along the lines that Milan would, you know, finish 17th, 18th in the Premier League. You know, the the typical kind of Premier League um, elitists, so to speak. So it, I would love for Milan to just go there and completely just wipe them out. Um, and, you know, it might be a good time to do so. They just lost um, 3-0 to City in the, the cup final overnight. So, um They'll be down on morale. They've still got a couple of new players that they're trying to um, breed into the squad. So let's see. It'll be it'll be very interesting. Hope I, I really hope they can do a job on them. Yeah, I was asked today by a, a friend who supports Arsenal, should he be worried about facing Milan? And I kind of dismissively said no straight away. But then I thought, oh, but they've kind of turned things around. And I said, depending on how tonight's game goes, 
goes, I'll have an answer for you. Because if they lost to Roma, I would have thought, nah, Milan are just beating the small teams, but they can't do it against big teams. But Vito, I think they've proven that they could be a match for anyone. And could you see them going through against Arsenal? I think Milan are definitely in with a shot. Um, I do believe that at least on an individual front, there'll be an element of surprise. So um, I wouldn't be surprised, for instance, if uh, the maybe not Arsene Wenger or the Arsenal team, but probably the Arsenal supporters, they might underestimate Patrick Cutrone. And uh, if he is uh, still in form and he's feeling very opportunistic and sharp, I'm sure we might be seeing a new football hero emerge and then it'd be great if uh, Cutrone out of all people can create some sort of media frenzy. That would be great to see. Yeah, and then he signs for Chelsea City for two hundred million in the summer on his career. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's model that's football for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's the path his career is going to take. Yeah. Let's hope not. Um, but Arsenal's defense can be a bit of a joke at times, so you wouldn't be surprised if Cristiano popped up, given his ability to just find himself in the right place at the right time. Guys, we've come to the end. Nick, it was okay having you back. Um, Vito, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Yep. That. As always, my Facebook page at Vito Doria. Then there's uh, Twitter and Face, uh, Twitter and Instagram at Vito C Doria, and of course, Forts Italian Football. Ask me, I want uh, to assign you a piece. Nick, what do you want? Oh, nothing. I was just going to say my. My Twitter stuff, but it's all right. Oh, no, Go you on. did a video, actually, this week, didn't you? Let the, let the people know what you've been doing. Uh, gosh, it's probably the wrong time to plug a Milan. <laughs> <laughs> to all the Milan fans out there, it's basically a video saying that you're not going to qualify for the Champions League, so... Um, if you want to kind of get on there and give me a bit of hate, go watch it, like it, dislike it, but just comment it, give it some views, share it, why not? Put it out to all the Milan channels and let's get some discussion. Yeah, no, Jax, don't be nice to Nick. You don't need to be nice to Nick. He can take it. <laughs> he dishes out worse than you could ever imagine that I give him <laughs> when he's not on air. You should see my Facebook message history because he is a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. Um, uh... All right, guys, I think that's that's pretty much it. But, yeah, do, if you're watching this, whatever, go down there somewhere and find the the Milan video and every other video that's been going up. Dalvin Vieri have been doing some bits from Italy. Uh, Nick has been doing provocative pieces against Milan. Uh, that video is worth watching for the first 10 seconds, I think. I, I very much enjoyed the beginning of that video, Nick. That was that was good. You did your There's only one thing better than one of me. It's two of me, so. <laughs> that is that is absolutely not true. If anything, the opposite of that is true. Uh, oh, my God. The thoughts of having two of you in my life is the stuff of nightmares. All right, guys, we are rambling. So, Phil, good night. Jax, we'll see you again soon. CM Fox, come back and start some fights again next week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking part in the comments. This is actually the, the biggest number we've had watching at any one time since we started going live with the videos so the sunday night slot seems to be really working do come back send us questions next week and 
we'll see how the derby goes. So until next time, it's ciao for now. Ciao. Ciao.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.